Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The hangups we have today. to episode 228 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway in Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined. Um, unfortunately, at this late hour, uh, a necessary source of say podcast. Sean Smith joining us once again after a, um, I just really have no words, 78-52 loss in Tuscaloosa. A worst case scenario for the Wildcats after getting just a little hair of momentum the last two games against Louisville and LSU. It all comes crumbling down very quickly. Uh, Sean, thanks for joining us, uh, unfortunately, on such a bad note. Yeah, you, you know, uh, a few years ago, when, or a couple years ago, when they had the 9-16 and 16 year, me and you did not have much fun during that year, post-game shows, pre-game shows. We we kept trying to kind of tough our way through it. Jack, I, I hate to tell you, I, I kind of have the same feeling today that I had just a couple of years ago with I don't know where this team goes right now. And everything that I said on after the UCLA game and then even after the Louisville game, I kept saying, I just don't trust this team to beat good basketball teams. Even when I said that, I never thought for a moment that they would get blown out of the gym by Missouri and then completely ran off the floor on the road at Alabama against the top 10 team. Those are the games that this program used to thrive in and live for. Right now, I dread them. Yeah, it's I, – I wrote my, you know, long kind of column post-game takeaway piece where it's like, you know, gone are the days of the we're going to go into your gym and we're going to beat you. You're going to hate me because I'm going to go into your gym and beat you. Those days where you used to circle these type of games on the calendar. You used to go, man, Alabama, top 10 matchup there, uh, top 10 in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. They have Brandon Miller, a top five pick. Uh, like you just go down the list of all of the intriguing aspects of this game and you go, man, this is going to be this is the chance 
for Kentucky to really make a statement this season. And, you know, and it wasn't even about making a statement on Kentucky's end. Back then it was about embarrassing people for thinking that Alabama was worthy. Like back then you would, you would see the narratives and the media, you know, just drivel of, you know, te- you know, the, the national analysts falling in love with teams like Alabama, falling in love with players like Brandon Miller. And they, in and, and Kentucky would go into those type of settings and crush their spirit and crush their heart and, and make those national analysts shut up. Like that was their goal back, back then. And now I can't remember the last time I felt confident going into a game like this. I certainly wasn't today. No, uh, I haven't been confident in this team this season against quality opponents. And now they're, I mean, they're over and the, all these guys, I mean, look at these games away from Rupp Arena. They haven't even been competitive. One and for what was it? Yeah. And how many seconds have they, they led in those games? I know in the last three, is it like 23 seconds or something like that? And like 30 the Gonzaga game. And yeah, it's not much. Like it's, I mean, what happened? Like this is, you have the reigning national player of the year coming back. You have a Kuzi award finalist at point guard. And the biggest thing that I've talked about in the offseason with this program and this team was you have anchors at two of the most important pieces on the floor at point guard play and at the five spot. And then you bring in Casey Wallace and you bring in all these talented pieces and they just look lost. Like today, I mean, we'll get into it, but today was by far the worst. I never thought I'd ever see a performance like that from Oscar Sheba. I never would have imagined that it would be that. And I don't even know – I mean, honestly, that final score probably should have been worse than what it ended up being had Kentucky not managed to fight back a little bit there in the first half when it probably looked like that they were going to throw in the towel and Alabama couldn't hit an outside shot. And then when they finally start hitting outside shots, what happens? We're, we're probably lucky that wasn't a 50-point loss if Alabama had made shots in the first half. Well, shoot, Antonio Reeves had two threes in the last 33 seconds of the game, so – it should have been 30 points. At, like, at minimum, that's what it, it, it should have been. Uh, or I guess 32 it would have been. Uh, I'm just absolutely out of my mind right now. Well, but, uh, and this – was it the last episode that I said that this could be a team that we look up at the end of January that has 10 losses? I think that was on the last episode that I said that. It would well, not shock me at this point. So it's five, and you're looking at Tennessee Saturday. That's – I have no faith in them beating Tennessee and Knoxville. You got Kansas just, in the month. You're living piss out of South Carolina on the road yeah. today. Yeah, the, the thing that Kentucky used to do to teams, right? I mean, that's – no, like – and I didn't – you know, I didn't – we didn't get to talk about the LSU game and stuff. And, you know, we, we kind of – I think we kind of got sucked into thinking this team was turning a corner. And, and doing some good things, and they and they had been doing some good things, but then today they go on the road in an ESPN showdown against a team that has been one of the better teams in the league for the last few years, a young, fiery coach who coaches with a chip and an edge, and Kentucky back down. They completely back down. And guys that I didn't think had roles – or significant roles were forced into having to play significant minutes early. And then they tried, I mean, Cal tried everybody and Oscar was unplayable. Kaysen got in early foul trouble. Like this is just, it's to a point that I really think fans are starting to turn the TV off before the game ends. I really do. Like I've talked to a lot of people that is like, I just, 
I talked to somebody the other day and they're like, I just can't get excited about watching the game. Like I know it comes on at, at noon today or whatever time or one o'clock, but I just can't get excited about it. And then I talked to a couple of people. They said they had it turned off by two fifteen today. And that four point or what was it? Like a two or three point game there late in the first half before you know it. I mean, you're a few minutes in the second half and it's a 20 point deficit and you're that's, done. And that's the frustrating part. Like because- I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so confused about what has happened to this program, specifically to this team. I mean, you look, Mark Sears and Brandon Miller didn't have a single point until the seven-minute mark in the first half. You had your chance, and it was a two-point game when Mark Sears hit, hit his first free throw. It was still a two-point game. Kaysen had had two fouls. You know, you had gotten by with Oscar Shebway struggling the way he had. Damian Collins came in and made a little bit of a run himself. And, like, the, there was stuff to build on where you said, okay, we got through to this point. They haven't – you know, their star talent has, hasn't exploded yet. We're – we're still in that position to still make a run. You know, you're in a good spot there. And then it just, the wheels fell off so quickly. Uh, and it, and unfortunately it had to do with Brandon Miller exploding the way he did. It had to do with Mark Sears exploding the way they did. They lived up to their billing going into this, the height that they had going into this year as two of the best players in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, Sears is the one of the best shooters and, and, and Brandon Miller is just one of the best all around talents. Uh, so certainly among freshmen, and Kentucky's guys just did not live up to the billing, Sean. Uh, Oscar Sheway, four points, one of seven shooting, four turnovers, just absolutely terrible in that regard. Uh, Jacob Toppin, three points, one for 10 shooting. And then Kaysen Wallace, one for 13 uh, in just two points. He had uh, two early fouls, only played five five minutes in the first half. Uh, your three p- players on paper who should be your you know best best players uh, just absolutely did not show up when, they, when, when Kentucky needed them. No, they, they didn't. And it's been one of those things that when Kentucky's played well, you know, Jacob Toppin's been a guy that's played well against Louisville, against LSU. I mean, back-to-back, you know, big-time nights. And then today, you know, didn't have it. And that's okay. But then when you, you have Oscar, who struggled the way he did, this is already a team that is fighting an uphill battle on the offensive end of the floor. And I haven't – honestly, I – I love Jimmy Docks, but I have no idea what he was talking about when he was talking about Kentucky's offensive, you know, that's not an offensive struggle. Like, I've – Yeah, and that felt – that just today on that, told – Yeah, on that note, that that felt very almost narrative-driven. Like, he went, went into the game and was going to throw that talking point out there just for the sake of doing it instead of just trusting his eyes. And he's been around the game way too long – and has known more basketball than any you know any of us combined uh, to to make kind of just generalization statements like that. It's just like okay, dude, you're you're way too good at what you do to just throw little softballs out there like that when when it's clearly not the case. And, and this and, and it's not. And we know that their offense, the offensive struggles. We know we've seen this team plenty of times struggle to put the ba- the ball in the basket. And that just comment didn't make any sense to me because I'm like, okay, have you watched the season? Have you watched the entire year? Because Kentucky's had moments where it could not score the ball at all, and especially in its biggest games. But going back, and like I said, I didn't get to talk about the LSU game. Going back to the LSU game, a lot of people probably felt better after that one. I felt like Kentucky was more fortunate than anything Mm -hmm. in that game. I mean, that's two games where – against Michigan had Savir Wheeler not 
made some shots that are not really his strong suit. And then Jacob Toppin having to hit a bailout three. Or those would have been two losses. It wasn't offense that did that that executed down the stretch. It was Kentucky hit jumpers from two unlikely sources to avoid two more losses. That's that's how I looked at it. That's why I just didn't have much faith going into today. Because I kept saying that they had to beat someone of significance to me to change my opinion. And now they get blown out. And I'm even further back from what they have to do. But, I mean, it's it's going to take them to do something like beating a Tennessee or, or beating – I mean, they don't get Arkansas until later in the year. There's not many quad one opportunities the rest of this month outside of Tennessee. I think it's Tennessee and then maybe the game against Kansas. And I think the others are quad two, quad threes. Like, they're going to win some games. There's just nothing of significance on this resume. But when – NCAA tournament teams don't lose by 30 on the road in league play and by 20 on the road in league play. Like, this – Jack, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just do not see this team playing meaningful basketball in the month of March. I don't. like. I have no faith. And it's frustrating because they do technically have the, the schedule ahead. I think they have eight quad one opportunities to close out the year, if, if I'm not mistaken, something like that, where they, they will have opportunities to you know make some semblance of a run. And it's okay to kind of acknowledge that this is the path to success if they want to do anything meaning and play meaningful bat- basketball in, in March. But it's also 100% fair to be on the, the other side and say, I, it, it scares me having that type of schedule because it just goes to show that they won't be able to live up to that expectation and, and, and make that type of run. Uh, it's, it, it, I, I completely agree. Nothing that they have shown thus far indicates that they're anything uh, assembling a cohesive unit, which is uh, they're not getting better. Then they're not getting better. They're reg- actively regressing in games that they need to be at least chipping away toward what their struggles are. And, and individual players look, like they've gotten worse. Does yep. Oscar Shibway look anything? I mean, look, we know his numbers last year were incredible. But Oscar, I mean, this uh, this is an overall team effect thing with me. Like, Oscar's not – I just dropped my phone, sorry. <laughs> Oscar, Oscar's Oscar. He's, he's done a lot of bailout for Kentucky this year. I'd hate to see where this team – would be if they didn't have Oscar Shibway. I don't even know. I mean, they would probably would have lost to Yale and a couple of other teams. But I hope today was just a bad day for him and that we can kind of chalk it up, throw it out, and everybody's do a bad game. I mean, but I will say this. They – Alabama showed a lot of stuff on tape today for a lot of teams on how to attack Oscar Shibway. And John Calipari had to take him off the floor playing over top of him, athletic bigs, which that was a matchup last year that he didn't really perform well in, if you remember. Like, that wasn't yeah, one that of his was, better matchups. That was a Damian Collins Damian game. Damian Collins game, yep. Because Damian was able to play play above the rim where Oscar wasn't. But, I mean, give credit to Nate Oates in Alabama. They had the perfect game plan to attack the reigning national player of the year and then not getting any offensive production from him, which in return didn't let Oscar really do much on the glass either. And, and Kentucky just had nothing easy. And I, and I thought there early in the game when Antonio Reeves comes in and he had an aggressive streak in him. I was like, this is encouraging. This is what you need from Antonio Reeves. But 
Kentucky just it, they weathered the first storm, and then the second wave hit, and the second wave just washed them away. They had no no fight back in that moment. I thought Xavier Wheeler made some good plays in the first half, and I was trying to find some positives in it. But this is a team where I find myself now almost in. We're getting into mid January here, another week, and we're going to be talking about another week down and another week closer to selection Sunday where with a team that has nothing on its resume still. And you mentioned, you bring up a good point. Like there is a path for this team to do it, but what they're doing to themselves now is they're almost having to go through They're They're almost going to have to go on an unreal streak against really good teams and win five or six in a row. And this is a league that I don't know if there's anyone in the league that's built to really do that. Like, Tennessee is going to lose some games. Alabama is going to lose some games. These teams at the top of the league, Arkansas, they're going to lose some games because of the schedule and going on the road. Like, that was a tough environment today. Kentucky's got more tough environments coming, tougher than the one they walked into today. And I just think that this is a team that's searching for answers. I don't think that they have an identity yet. That falls to me on the head coach and the coaching staff because they. this is an experienced team that should have already established who they are. But it just feels like they've been searching since the season begun, and I just I don't understand it, Jack. Like we, this team should not be struggling the way it is. That's plain and to the point. There's too much talent. There's too much experience. They shouldn't be struggling the way they are right now. Nate Oates said after the game, Kentucky, because there were the chants uh, there at uh, Coleman Coliseum. Uh, of NIT, 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 and then some other Cal to Texas chants as well, but we don't want to get into that. Uh, Nate Oates was asked about those comments after the game. He said, Kentucky's not going to the NIT. They're not, they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. It's college students being college students. They've got plenty of talent over there. Cal's done a good job of assembling some talent. They've got really good players. They just didn't shoot the ball well tonight. They shot 29%. When you shoot 29%, it's hard to win games. Obviously, some of that was due to our defense, but they did just miss some shots too. Look, we can't be making that excuse forever. It's not always just about, oh, well, they'll start making shots eventually. Sean, we are. I did the math. Forty-eight percent of the way through the college basketball season. Forty-eight. I mean, we. This is the midway point when teams are starting to kind of hit that peak of okay, this is what we're going to be looking like in March, and, and they have have shown no semblance of them being a consistent shooting team or even just a consistent scoring team. I mean, one day they'll score eighty-two against a you know garbage competition, and then they'll struggle to score fifty against real competition. There, there is no middle ground here. It's either they play pretty well against crap competition or terribly against teams that actually matter. And, and unfortunately, as the season progresses, it's only going to be teams that matter, and especially in March. And it is, it is. Wow. I know Nate can say the the coach speak all he wants, but man, I don't. I just don't know how you can look at this and be confident at all. This this feels like one of those seasons where John Calipari is going to have to tweet out the day before games at Rupp Arena and encourage fans to be there and to be active and to be engaged and to get behind them. And the, the things that he had to do for teams that were kind of trying to fight their way through something. And I remember the 2013 NIT team. I remember him uh, coming out and telling fans to stand for the last four minutes of the game at Rupp Arena. And then I think he did that a few years ago as well for a team that was kind of on the I think it might have been the Hamadou Diallo team that he was trying to get the fans behind because they were struggling. That was the team that lost four straight SEC games 
right there in the middle of the year in late January, February, and still made the NCAA tournament. But didn't Cal, didn't Cal tweet something about the atmosphere at Rupp Arena after the LSU game the other day? Did, it, was that a tweet that he put out? It was one of his big talking points after the game ended, you know, kind of the, how about that crowd? We need the Big Blue Nation to be this, you know, kind of that same. But, yeah, that was definitely a big and talking point. When, when, he, when he does that, though, I find there's a common denominator. Drop my phone. I've got it on the stairwell. I'm sorry. They uh, There's a common denominator between when he does those things, and it's always the teams that struggle the most. And it's like he's kind of grasping at straws here, like trying to get, you know, trying to use something to get teams going. In a sense, I almost feel like it's him pushing the panic button at times with some of these teams. And, I mean, right now, like, you got the number one recruiting class waiting to arrive next year. But that doesn't make anybody feel any better, Jack. Like, nobody's feeling good just because they've got DJ Wagner and all these dudes coming in next year because what's going to be the the, – what's going to be the – What's going to be the excuse when that team starts off and struggles next year? And they will. And it, that, oh, it just drives me nuts. And that's, that's see, that's what I, that doesn't work anymore. Next year, it's like, dude, don't do this to yourself. No, that doesn't work anymore. And there's, there's people, and I, I feel like this fan base has every right to be upset right now. Like they, they look to Kentucky basketball to turn on the TV on Tuesday night or occasionally on Wednesday night and every Saturday to get good quality basketball from their team. And that's what they've gotten for most part of John Calipari's tenure at Kentucky. But you can't deny the stretch that this program's on. I know Doug Gottlieb tweeted today, well, they were a two seed last year. Well, where the hell did that get? I don't care if they were a one seed. Do you think Virginia feels any better about the year they were a one seed and lost to a 16 seed in the first round? No, it doesn't matter. Like you go nine and 16, you miss the NCAA tournament. You don't have the tournament in 20 due to COVID. You had a heartbreaking Elite Eight loss in 19. That was your last NCAA tournament win was Houston. And there's just this program and these this fan base is just craving for this program and this team to be good again and to be relevant. And I keep I'm using the word relevant because right now they're they don't even look like one of the top half teams in the league. Kentucky used to never go on the road and get beat by Missouri by 20. In Alabama, let's just call it 30, like you said, if it hadn't been two late threes by Antonio Reeves. Kentucky never did that. I remember, was it late in the Tubby days when they got somebody, or was it the Tubby? Which team was it that got drilled by Vandy? Was it Billy Gillespie? Billy. Somebody got beat. They, they got, that's about to say. Like, there was a moment today where I was watching Alabama just hit threes and hit threes and hit shots, and it's approaching 30, and I'm like, God, this feels like the bad days all over again. And for a moment, I was like, I don't know how you bounce back from stuff like this. Cause like the air's being sucked out of this fan base. And there's a lot of people that are getting tired and fatigued. And I think some of John Calipari's biggest defenders are starting to look at it through a different lens and say, what in the world's going on? Like you, I mean, look, they had a really good regular season last year. You can't dismiss that, but when you lose to St. Peter's in the first round of the NCAA tournament, Jack, we talked about this. We said that this program had no margin for error this year. They had to be one of the better teams in college basketball or this fan base was going to absolutely flip. They flipped all right. 
and I feel like they've had every right. Yeah. It's just not like there's a lot of frustration right now. It's hard to watch. It's hard to follow. And it's also hard to see where it gets better. Pretty much the worst case scenario in all those regards. I mean, it just there there's nothing even like tangible you can hold on to in this game where you go, oh. okay, that that went well. Like even Antonio Reeves had 20 points, but he missed a lot of the shots that mattered when Kentucky was in need of a run. And then a lot of his makes came when Kentucky was down 25. So like, yeah, uh, on paper, he has 20 points on seven to 13 shooting and four for seven for three with four rebounds. Like, yeah, that's a great box score. But uh, if you actually watch the game, you'll know that, and, you know, he, he gave up probably just as much as he did, you know, on the other end, as much as he scored on the other end. So, and then Savir Wheeler, I, you know, he's probably my lone significant bright spot. I think he played hard. I think, you know, that was solid basketball. He was the only guy that kind of showed up when, when Kentucky needed somebody to do something. So, you know, credit to him at the very least, you know, shout out Damian Collins and Adu Thiero. They both gave some hard minutes for Kentucky, but gosh, outside of that, man, I mean, it's, it's really hard to even just take anything positive and go, ah, that's what you can build on. Like even the LSU win, you know, they won, uh, they collapsed there at the end. Last 10 minutes were what they were. Offense just absolutely collapsed. But you still had the first 30 minutes to hang on to and go, but dude, like the ball movement was there. The spacing was better. The, you know, it wasn't just throw the ball inside to Oscar Sheboy and let him be Kofi Coburn and, you, you know, be a black hole offensively. That's what he has been, unfortunately, for a lot of this season. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a lot of just quickness and they, they're finding that nice balance between playing fast and grinding things out. As Cal said, unfortunately, they went to the other extreme in the last 10 minutes, but you had that to hold on to with this one. I mean, it's just, as Cal said after the game ended, you just throw this film away. But unfortunately, you kind of need to watch this film, especially in the second half, because you need to know when Kentucky let go of the ropes, let go of the rope and what led them to, to that point. You, you can't keep throwing film out, right? Because at this point, if you want to throw the Missouri film out, you, you threw it out. Well, now you're throwing another one out. At some point, you got to learn from it. And there were there were some things today. You can't start the way Kentucky did on the road, but you can't start the way Kentucky did on the road against a team the caliber of Alabama. Off to a bad start. And then I feel like from the 14-minute mark to the five-minute mark, Kentucky did some good things. They settled in. They just didn't make shots. But Alabama also wasn't making shots during that stretch, so you were within striking distance. You battled back, but then they lost the final four minutes of the first half and then got buried in the first four minutes of the second half. Those That's that's a 12-minute stretch of basketball, probably 12 of the most important stretches in any, in any basketball game. The opening four, the closing four, the opening four of the second, and you lost all three segments, and not just by a small margin. You lost by a significant margin. And that was the 20-point deficit in those three segments. So even though they played well or manageable for 11 minutes, it didn't matter when you performed as poorly as they did in the other four-minute segments. You just cannot do that. Like, that was a stretch in the four minutes to go in the first half. You're within striking distance. You don't have to have the lead at the half. You just cannot let that thing balloon to 11 points like it did. 
And then once it did, it's next thing you know, you you get off to a bad start again, Jack. And if you've got a one or two point deficit, you can it can go out to six or seven. You're okay. But if you get off to a bad start, it was 20. And I just feel like that this is a team that is not for ex, for the experience that it has. This is a team that just does not do well in the most crucial, important stretches and situations of games. Like I don't think they're very good at situational basketball and understanding the the moment and the magnitude of the moment and how key possessions are. Like I feel like this is a team that doesn't value possessions on either end of the floor. And this this was a program and a, and a team under John Calipari that they used to be so good at even when they were playing poorly. Like I remember the early days of Cal's teams. They would go on the road, they'd play poorly, but then they would start stringing some stuff together for a stretch. This team just cannot string it together. One, because I don't think they have consistent shot makers. Somebody that cons- consistently can go do it. And then I, I do think that this team has some defensive issues that they can't string stops together when they need it. Do you think that's an effort thing, or do you think that's a physical tool thing? Because obviously Oscars is clearly a physical tool thing, but I feel like everybody else has the, uh, you know, has the ability to, but I just don't think the want to is there with, with on, the de- on, the de- on the defensive end. Honestly, when it comes to the defensive end, I think a lot of it, Jack, is a mentality and a mindset. And right now, I think there's a lot of guys on this team that have zero confidence on the offensive end of the floor, and it's affecting the way they defend on the other end of the floor. I really do. I think that I think this the team. If they could get comfortable offensively, then I think you see the other end of the floor pick up and go to another level. Like the game of basketball to me, it's not just a one end, you're a lead in, and you're kind of just blah in the other end. Your best basketball teams, I think there's a there's a balance there. Uh, like we talk about Kim Palm numbers all the time, right? And the, the teams that make it to the final four and how you want to be in a certain range there in the top 20. You don't necessarily have to be number one and number four in both categories, but you, you've got to have – you can't also be number one defensively and 75th offensively. That team's not winning a national championship. I think a lot of this thing boils down to that you have so many guys that maybe are pressing because they're not comfortable with the ball in their hands or on the offensive end of the floor that I think that it's wearing and tearing on them on the other end of the floor as well. And I just don't think that this is a team that's cohesive and together on that end of the floor. And until they find and fix those issues – I think you're going to have the, the the same results on the defensive end of the floor. I, I think that as this team be, as this team connects and gets together, I think the defensive end improves. But I don't think that happens until they look comfortable on the offensive end. Does, does that does that make sense at all? Like, because I just think that those two go hand in hand because it's a mindset, and this team just has no confidence. Yeah, and that's just what's so concerning because you know it, it, they genuinely look like a pickup team right now like you just you go to the local gym and go all right i want you 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 and you all right we got next and like that's that's how cohesive this group is where you're you have no idea where your shooting guard likes to be in a spot or uh, you know which part of the post your center likes it or you know how he dominates does he have a face-up game it's it, like that stuff you kind of learn on the fly playing pickup 
And that's just kind of the vibe that this team throws off. They just have no chemistry with, with, with each other. They don't know where they like it, you know, where, where they like the ball in transition or, you know, if they're going to, you know, pop out. Uh, like all of the stuff that you should learn, you know, during preseason practices and you kind of build on as the season progresses, it feels like they're still learning new things and the habits and things like that about about each other and the, just the team as a whole uh, by the game. And, and it, I mean, it feels like they're they're not learning in that regard at all at this point. It, the, that part is what's concerning to me is that usually you have some semblance of chemistry, especially with a guy like Xavier Wheeler, where, you know, he's kind of the, 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 he runs the show. Like he, he knows everybody and where they like to be and their, their habits and their tendencies and things like that. And it just, it just feels like the chemistry is, is lacking so significantly in that regard. And I, well, I that's what me pessimistic moving forward. And, and we thought, we thought Kentucky upgraded at positions. And, and I still think that they did. That's the concerning part about it, right? Is all that's missing from and, – and look, Xavier Wheeler was the point guard on a team that absolutely routed Kansas last year, the eventual national champion. They went on the road to Alabama a week later. It's almost been a year ago and made Alabama look like they couldn't score the ball. And – beat Tennessee and put up 107 points last year at Rupp Arena in early January. All that's missing from that is what? Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, Davion Mintz, Keon Brooks, Bryce Hopkins didn't play significant minutes during that stretch. Like, you have Savier back, you have Oscar back, you have Toppin back, you add Casey Wallace, who was I think is an upgrade. What happened? Like, seriously, what happened? Like those, yeah, that, I don't think that there's a, I don't think there's enough talent out of those four names that I just said that that was what made last year's stretch of good basketball so great. The, this is this is deeper than that, and I just don't know what it is. Like I just don't think that there's any reason why this team shouldn't be performing. But I guess we're getting to a point. Is this the last time that they're going to get routed by someone in the league? I think Tennessee is going to blow them out of Thompson Ball on Saturday. Like, I think Rick Barnes' team is going to – I think they're going to – The what I saw from Kentucky today, it's going to be another 50-point outing on the offensive end if they don't fix some stuff this week and make shots. I mean, look at – I mean, look what Tennessee's doing right now. I mean, that's, that's one of the elite teams defensively in college basketball, but they also put up 80-plus today on South Carolina. I know South Carolina's not great, but I guarantee you Kentucky's not going to go put 80-plus up on South Carolina this week at Rupp Arena. And at what point do we just say that this just isn't a good basketball team? And that's that's where I am. Like, that, it, it's gotten to the point where – you just kind of acknowledge that sometimes pieces just don't fit. Sometimes you, you, it's a square peg in a round hole and certain personalities don't work alongside other personalities and, you know, different styles of play don't work alongside one another. And that's, that's kind of where I am until they can prove otherwise. I'm just starting to get to the point where I just think that these, these pieces just don't match. But how many times have we said that in recent years? Where the pieces just don't mesh. 
it doesn't fit. We never said that for a seven or eight year stretch. Yeah. Now we're starting to have that conversation a lot more. And this team, I mean, we, we know that there was a huge discussion about, do you want the elite of the elite, the one and dones, the five-star freshmen that struggle their way for two or three months and then start figuring it out in February. And then the transfer portal, well, we, we need, we need to build through the transfer portal. Well, this was a team that was built through the transfer portal. It's most important pieces were transfers. It's all over the roster. And so far that's not been enough. Now next year's team, it's built with the elite of the elite coming into into college basketball from the high school route. But imagine the pressure that's going to be on next year's team. I hate it, man. Like I hate if, it. If if, if 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 this doesn't work this year and it doesn't get right, next year's Kentucky basketball team, and I'm just and I'm and I'm gonna go under the assumption that John Calipari will still be the head coach at Kentucky in October of next year. I don't think that anything's changing. That class is that class is massive. That class is important. They did an excellent job piecing it together. That might end up being the last hurrah, maybe. Maybe. Because it certainly feels like it's getting down to the to the wire with it, especially if it keeps training the way it is. But somebody mentioned that today on Twitter about the pressure on next year's team. I can't remember if I, I can't remember who said it. Might have been in a group. I don't know, but I saw somebody mention it, and it got me thinking. I'm like, man, like there have been some Kentucky teams that have had some pressure on them. This one has pressure on them, given the way last season ended. You have another. Like, let's say this team. Let's say this team does miss the NCAA tournament. That's two NITs in three years, and a first round loss to St. Peter's. Next year's team has no. I mean, they could lose four games, and people probably freak out. Like that's the level we're at right now. That's the panic meter that we're at. Is next year's team's going to be loaded with young pieces and talented pieces, but are they ever going to have a chance to succeed? Like, look, we're talking about next year, and it's January 7th. That's where we're at. That's when you know it's bad. I remember after the St. Peter's game and, and when Oscar Sheebway announced his return, I remember one of the thoughts in my head was like, man, it's like he added – a second part to his story. Like, you know, it's not going to go out in a in just absolutely crushing way after his historic year, uh, you know, all this. And it's like, man, how crazy is it that there's a chance that we're talking about this thing as a freaking trilogy instead of just a part two. <laughs> it's like it, this stretching over <laughs> three years. It's like, Oh, good Lord, man. I just need something to hold on to. I this, I like, it's just this, endless pit of misery i'm like bro i just want to be happy like i want to enjoy watching these games again and i want to stop having such down in the dumps podcast episodes exactly i'm like dang like i'm just trying to have fun like our shows went down the bahamas were a freaking blast i love those shows like we were winning by 50 down in paradise like yeah of course it was fantastic but just like good lord man this is well, and, and is that the other like is that the other concerning thing to you too though? Is that this team did get a head start? This team got the summer practice, they got the pre-Bahamas practice, they got the experience in the Bahamas. Those teams did well under John Calipari. Final four. Yeah. Final four national or final four, final four, and elite eight. Shot from the final four. Those were the teams that played in the Bahamas. 
So we automatically penciled this one in as one of the better teams that Cal is going to have, given that it always sets up every four years that that team benefits from that that preseason trip. This looks like a team that didn't even go on a preseason trip. Yeah, they're, they're actively regressing, and I think a, a big part of it is and I said this on, on the Sunday morning radio show and the Larry Vaught looked at me like I was a psychopath for saying this. Um, but I said they are overcoached since getting to arriving in Lexington and and going down to the Bahamas. Like I, I genuinely think that when they were at their best is when they didn't get any coaching, when they didn't have any structure, when they didn't have, you know, constant talking and and no do things this way no change this about you you know the the nitpicky things like that they were at their best when they just went out there rolled the balls out and hooped everybody says John Calipari can't coach he just rolls the balls out well I kind of wish that this team just rolled the balls out I kind of wish that they just went out there and played like it's a pickup game where they just run and gun you utilize what they do best and just just hoop like the, this is a, a group of hoopers. You can't convince me that Casey Wallace isn't a freaking hooper. You can't tell me that Jacob Toppin isn't a hooper. Like that's a dude that would go into any play at any other school in a low pressure environment and just hoop like he would just go get his. And I just kind of think that's the vibe of this team, man. If 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 they're me first kind of guys and kind of, you know, not very team oriented and it's a, a great group of individuals then play like it play like that that's how they need to be just let them run and let them let them do their thing I, that's kind of that's that's kind of my thing i think that they are over ever since the bahamas they've been overcoached oh and overcoaching is a big problem because it it can happen and it can turn into a point to where you have guys that start thinking too much and not reacting and making plays and playing the game. And that has happened before, I think, at Kentucky quite a bit. Because I think guys feel – and it's not like – I mean, it, I get it. Like, you want structure. You want to run certain things. You want to do certain things a certain way. But when you start doing those things, some teams kind of do them to the point that they lose who they are, which then in return takes away your identity. You don't have an identity. And I feel like this is a team that is in January still searching for its identity. I think we all thought that that identity identity was going to be Case or not Case and Wallace, but Oscar Sheebway. We thought the identity was going to be simple, right? Let him be the energy guy that cleans up the glass and is an anchor on the on, on the glass and uh, a capable defender and a, a guy that just gets you probably ten to twelve points a game that nobody else can get. Sure, he's had moments, but it's not been like consistently that. We thought this team was going to be an elite defensive team with its on-ball defenders and its backcourt and Sauvier Wheeler and Casey Wallace together and the length and athleticism that they have at the four spot and, and others. But we also thought this team was going to shoot the three ball well. Like we had three or four things that we penciled in as almost surefire things that you could rely on. And none of them have really been anything that they could consistently rely on. I think Oscar Sheepway has been the focal point so much that it's almost made him easy to game plan against and defend because they know that he struggles with length. He puts the ball on the floor and there's hands that are waiting to dig the ball out all the time. There was one clip today where he had four dudes around him in the paint. 
And I think that that's just game film that everybody has on Kentucky that they know that Oscar's going to have to do it all. Great, great sometimes great coaching. Yep, it is. You you just swarm him, and you beat Kentucky. Swipe down. He's going to bring the ball down. Swipe down at him. He's either going to turn the ball over. He's going to take a bad shot. Uh, he's going to hold up the ball on ball, ball far too long and then kick it. Find a way to kick it back out to the three for a last second heave before the end of the shot clock. That's that's Kentucky's offense right now. That's Oscar Sheboy. and it's and and this and this team doesn't consistently make shots, which then allows them to do that even at a at a higher clip. Last year's team in the regular season made shots, and it allowed Oscar Sheboy to do what he did last year. Oscar's only good if you can space the floor and give him space to go to the offensive glass and space to work. Right now, you got a guy who doesn't have space, but it also doesn't help when you got another. You got two guys posting at the same time in the lane. And there's no driving lane for your guards. That happened a couple of times a day too. If you go back and look at clips and you you pause them, there's dudes standing on both blocks, and I'm like, where are these guards supposed to drive the ball to? Right into a help defender on both sides. Yep. And so there's there's structure, but then at times it feels like there's no structure. <laughs> Like, it's and that's it's, what I'm saying, man. It's just this fine line of of being overcoached and also underguided. Is I think it's one. I think that's kind of what I'm looking for. I think they're it, it, almost a little too nitpicky about certain things, but also way too relaxed on others, where they're looking for help and in need of help, and they're not getting it. Just Sean, it, it's not looking good. Um, we don't know. Yeah. And 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 you're right though. Like I know I've been saying it for a while and, and nobody's disagreed with me. I will have to say that I've had a lot of people in, in DMs and stuff over the last couple of weeks about this show talking that it's been good quality content, even though it's not been fun to talk about, Jack. We've been real and we've told it how it is. And I, I feel like we've we've not crossed the line, but we've also not we've also been here to tell people that this is not okay. Yeah. This team being this bad is not okay. It's not acceptable. It's embarrassing. I tweeted today that Kentucky's no longer feared when they walk in the gym. Alabama, I mean, yeah, sure, it's everybody's T-shirt night. That's not going to change. It's still Kentucky. The program itself is still Kentucky. The difference is the guys in the other locker room know that Kentucky is going to crack, and they're the better team. Not Kentucky. The other team's the better team. That's a mindset thing. At one point, Cal was the guy that said, "You don't like me because we come to I come to town and beat your team." There's no coming to town and beating teams anymore. Like this is a team that continues to lose quad one games. You look at their quad one record the last three years; it's terrible. Like eleven and twenty-two in their last thirty-three games against insane competition. And that boils down to that's thirty-three games against quality competition. Most of those probably on the road. That's a sample size. 33, 11 wins against squad one competition. When they went nine and 16 two years ago, you could throw that out because it was one year. Now it's a sample size of over the course of three years. They didn't play 33 quad one games two years ago. They played quad one games, and, and most of those quad one wins were last year. I think they had 10 quad one wins a year ago. 
So let that sink in. Ten of those wins were a year ago. Oh, boy. Sean, we do not need to drone on and on about this. Let's get out of here and be back um, after the South Carolina game. Hopefully that gives us something to hang on to. Uh, again, it's it's just so, it's such a wasted opportunity because South Carolina stinks and you go out and beat them by 30, then people say, well, you're supposed to beat them by 30. So it's just it's, it's like a, it's, such a wasted opportunity to just crap the bed the way it's they- another it's another night that doesn't make you feel any better about this team. Yeah. So you have to wait seven days again before you have an opportunity to feel something different. Problem is, I just don't think that's happening in Knoxville. I'm sorry. I don't like, I don't think Knoxville is the place that Kentucky goes and gets right. Historically, it tells me it's not. You and I sat there a year ago with a, what we thought was a good Kentucky basketball team. And they, that was where it kind of the wheels started to fall off. The wheels are already off, and they're going to Knoxville. Like, this is a brutal stretch to open league play, by the way. It is. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. We didn't know that Missouri was going to be the quality of what they are. I mean, they survived at LSU the other night at Rupp Arena. I just – I want to believe and I want to – give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to have a moment where they figure it out. And my thought process is this. I, I no longer think that seeding significantly matters in the NCAA tournament. I don't because last year they were a two seed and they lost to a 15. It's one of those things that just get in the tournament. It doesn't matter if you play in the middle of Idaho again, like just get to the tournament, find a way in and then figure it out. My only thing is Jack is that, if they lose Saturday, this could be a thing where they get into February with zero quad one victories. Yeah. That's not an NCAA tournament team. That's, that's, that's not an NCAA tournament. And, and I know when I started saying that in early December, it was crazy to think about. But when you just keep letting opportunities like UCLA slip away. Alabama, Missouri, all these quad one games, Michigan State, those add up. And as you add more to missed opportunities, you're also taking away the overall number of chances you have left to do something. And this just feels like a team that it's only January 7th, but I hate to say it, it feels like that they're kind of the sand's falling here and they're running out of time. That's crazy to think about because there's still two months in the season. Still two months, give me or only two months. That's unfortunately where we are. Where we uh, just the timing. That's is, a good. That's a good Twitter poll question right there. How do you feel about the basketball season? Still two months, or there's only two months left? Because I'd, I'd like to see the I'd like to see the gauge on that. Because uh, I'm willing to bet a lot of people would say only two months left. Because I think majority of the fan base probably feels like this is a team that's not. If they do make the tournament, what are they doing with it? They need more time, and it is not there. And it is inching closer and closer to postseason play very, very quickly. Sean, I'm not feeling good ending this show. Um, but I like, we that. Have to- I like that. 
I like that on three hoodie, by the way. Like it. We're in the the new digs, new new place, new house. Still have to a little echoey. I need to get some posters up and some art and all that stuff. But slowly but surely making progress. But anyway, more on this when uh, hopefully Kentucky takes care of business on Tuesday night against South Carolina. Sean. Uh, let's go on and get out of here. Actually, real quick, I think we have one quick note from our friends at Best Western with more than 30 Best Western hotels and resorts throughout Kentucky, both leisure and business travelers can count on what matters most. A warm welcome, a rewarding stay, and a truly exceptional value. Massive lakes, tree houses, mountain tunnels, bustling cities. You never know what's around the next bend from outdoor activities to local restaurants kentucky offers something fun for everyone and best western offers something for every traveler wherever life takes you best western is there visit bestwesternkentucky.com and at best western on social media sean smith let's get the heck out of here just like the cats got the heck out of tuscaloosa where can fans find your work you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back uh, next time for the Jam Packed Source of State podcast. We will see you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.